No, I can hear. I can hear us as we're being. It's really recorded. hard to speak, isn't it? When you yeah, can hear don't. Yourself. Yeah, stop it. No. Uh-uh. Uh As far as I can tell, my only option is to give it to you or me. So I've just decided to give it to you. So, spoiler warning for Westworld. Um, this is going to be an entirely spoiler-full discussion, I imagine. Yeah, no, uh, spoiler away. Welcome to On Topic, Off Topic with Miller Adams and Ruby Dillon. So I was watching the first episode of, of Westworld, having watched the original... Well, having watched the series as it came out originally, and just watching the first episode going, oh, see how this timeline which shenanigans, you don't realise it's happening yet, but, you know... Dolores is in different timelines. I, I do want to say, I do want to say, um, well, See, we that's talk- a lie because there's no time, different timelines in the first episode. Well, there might be, but they don't introduce, um, the man in black. The man in black. Like, yeah. no, the, the old man in black is there, but the young version of him is introduced in the first episode. I will say, uh, we're only talking about the first season of Westworld. We might do a podcast on future seasons of yeah, Westworld. Yes, so from our point of view, in the past, um, the second season has not yet come out. Yeah. So we cannot possibly talk about that yet. Hi, us from the past. So, uh, having watched it much more recently than I, uh, Ruby Ruby Dillon will be directing the conversation. Yeah. I've actually done much more research than you, because I went and watched the original 1973 film, directed and written by Michael oh, Crichton. Oh, you yeah. did not mention this to me. No. I have not watched that yet. I understand that there's other Westworlds in it. Yeah. Like Samurai World, which shows up at the end of the series. Uh, okay, so Samurai World isn't in the film, but there's a Roman world and a medieval world, and... I I was not expecting how much of that film actually I think like a third maybe 20 minutes of a 90 minute film is set in Roman world and medieval world which is quite quite a lot if if you've seen the show they spend hardly any time on the other parts. Yeah so my big question then for having you watched the original film is is the multiple timeline things? No. It's really an exercise in world building. You really don't notice that anything's wrong like an hour into the movie, which is something that shocked me narratively. What? I don't understand. So it's like the three-act structure is one act of setup yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And then very quickly act two and act three. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of it is just here is how the park works. Here are the robots. Here's what happens when the robots die. Like here are where the guests are staying. And it really sort of did my head and being like, when are the robots going to stop killing people? So how much does that actually have to do with the series? I would say in terms of continuity, because, you know, there are no, you know, there are the nerds out there. Like it's kind of like 12 monkeys where it's set in the same universe but the stories actually have very little to do with each other. You don't have to depend on one story to enjoy the other. So you could theoretically say that it's set in the park we see in the TV series Westworld, just not interacting with the events that we are yes, watching. Yes, there are a few sneaky, sneaky references uh, for those who have seen the film. So there's a gunslinger character in the film and his silhouette shows up in the series. And the offices uh, where I think... Dolores ends up finding herself. That was like the offices. Those are like the offices from that 1970s set. When when they cut back to what must be the 70s, that's the offices from the movie. Yes, which I think was quite a subtle way of doing it. I really enjoyed that. So that means that is the original series, the original movie. Sorry, set kind of at the origins of the park. Yeah, there's a line I quite like, which Bernard says, we haven't had an accident here in 30 years, yeah. which is a reference to the film, I imagine. Yeah, when I went back and watched it, I was wondering if that was in relation to the original Bernard's death, 
or is that actually oh, in relation to the film? Oh, that actually, yeah, no. Because I think that is in relation to how, I forget what his name is, but the person that Bernard is based off. Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. I imagine that's based on his death, which Dolores presumably is involved in. Yes, well, Dolores or her, like, alter ego. Fun fact, which I only knew from the Wikipedia, Bernard Lowe is an anagram of Arnold Webb. Ah, oh, oh, you got okay, us there, okay. Anthony Hopkins. Did you know Michael Crichton originated the story of Westworld? No, I, I just started okay. watching it. So Michael Crichton, that was his directorial debut. The reason he says, why didn't you do it as a book? He says that Westworld is a very visual story, and I think that that does play the whole subtleties and nuances of uh, your person. We're talking about the movie here. Yes, the movie, but also the show, I think. Like Game of Thrones, that works on many levels as, as a book series. I don't think Westworld, the series, would work as a novel. You're watching a lot of the performances. That does make some kind of sense. The humanity or the lived experience of the robot people is much better conveyed in film where you can have behind the scenes you have human stand-ins which you know very much embraces the fact that they're supposed to be emulating people if you because you have human actors playing them and therefore they can emulate very precisely human behavior as well as show where they're not so human which is probably much easier to convey when you have actors and you can see the behavior you can see the body language of these people and robots um which probably much so when we go back to uh, bernard's transformation from you know human to robot we see that much better than we would in a book like it's probably much easier to uh convey the idea that he is human to start with because we are actually able to see firsthand the body language and with especially with the focus in the first few episodes on the revelry that is such an easier thing to capture on film where we can just see how they're behaving as humans there's a word that you've, that you've been dancing around. It's called liminality. Ooh. Okay, so, yeah. Fancy words. English major. Media major, uh, as well. Uh, so liminality sort of refers to where are the boundaries between phenomena. And so one of the things that we often do is... Have you heard of the self-other dichotomy? Uh, as in white people are the self and people with disabilities or black skin. Or... Yeah, are the other. And so the self is maybe the controlling majority. They do not necessarily have to be the physical majority, but they're the people in control. And the other are like those who are cast off. And so the thing about the other is that it affirms who the self is. And yeah, you're right. The revelries and sort of that feeling you get when you see the robots, you see the robots, that really is what messes with us, is that we're sort of getting worried about Right, so the self-other dichotomy is all about the self cuts off the other, right? The other, mm -hmm. therefore, affirms what the self is. What is self? It is what the other is not. Yeah. Right, and so the revelries start making us feel very uncomfortable in that way. And I think, yeah, that has to be done visually, because if you read it in a book, it just draws way too much attention to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, um, so Michael Crichton, who originated Westworld, he also did Jurassic Park, did you know? I did not know that. I know, like, Nick's nothing about the origins of the Westworld series. Right, okay, so Michael Crichton did Westworld uh, in terms of screenplay and directing, but he also did Jurassic Park, so he's very interested in theme park. My favorite bit of Westworld was watching how the theme park worked. In a very Jurassic Park sort of way, because in Jurassic Park we see the theme park after it is kind of finished operating on its regular mm. basis and it's all about how this kind of descends into a more primeval state. You know, we have the clever girl moments of the velociraptors escaping, girl, yeah. we have the T-Rexes and we have the the degeneration of the electric fences, the transport, yeah. the shops and everything, especially I, in the new Jurassic Park where we have Jurassic World, Jurassic World uh. where we have advertising for Pandora in like the middle of the movie. In Westworld, to some extent, we see how the park degenerates. 
but we also see it operating as intended. We see the ticking over the day-to-day business of the part. Um, the narratives. With mm. actual customers who are, mm. you know, paying money to see this event and they're experiencing the part as it is intended with some side effects. So I do want to here and just talk about the artificiality in parks. Um, okay, so are you familiar with Star Trek? I am familiar of? with yeah. Star Trek. Okay, do you know about the holodeck? Yes. Okay, so the holodeck, for people who don't know, they're like hard light holograms, so you're basically interacting with an environment that is made up of light projection. So Westworld is not a holodeck. Westworld, no. everything there is very tangible. Yeah. So, like, let's just run with me here. Let's say Westworld was a holodeck. Suddenly, that concept seems much less interesting. No, exactly, because the thing about Westworld is that you get to save the girl, you get to shoot the bad guys, and, you know... But you could do that with a holodeck. Yeah, but these are real, actual Uh. objects that you interact with. Whether they're human or not, or have any kind of conscious ability, at the level which is presented in Westworld, they have a much more tangible... Um, because I know, I'm assuming the holodeck, you can hold on to objects as well. You can hold on to objects. But you know that it's all unreal. And even in, in Westworld, you have one one or two layers behind that, because you know they're all robots. And that is showing when the... What's, what do you call them? The black the black-hooded man? Bernard? Uh, the, the, old, the old guy. Oh, Anthony Hopkins. Ah. Oh. Know this. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Anthony Hopkins. Is he? Is he? Is he actually Anthony Hopkins? The actor, like the guy who wrote the books. No. What? I'm. I'm very confused. Anthony Hopkins was the guy who was Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, what do you call him? The guy. The you know the old. The yeah. Old guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doctor. Oh, I'll say Doctor something. Um. Can you look this up? <laughs> it's just gonna bug me for the rest of the podcast. Um. God, I'm so embarrassed. Wait, are you referring to the guy who runs the part? Yeah. You know. The guy, the guy who dies at the end, right? Like, the oh. original creator of the park, who was Arnold's... Who was Arnold... Okay, Google's just laughing at it now. Miller googled Westworld creator, and it said Jonathan Nolan, who was... Oh, uh, Ford. Uh, Obviously, Ford. Ford. Yeah, Jonathan Nolan, who uh, wrote the series. So, yeah. So, there's a, there's this great scene I love where they're walking through the park and was discussing his new narrative. He's like, this village, pff, gotta go. And then there's another moment where, like, a crane is, like, just digging up huge tracts of land. Yeah. And I was like, that is what I want. Holodeck, no good. Because there's that tangibility, I think, to but the But the other part, kind of the flip side of that tangibility is when we have Ford in the very first episode in kind of the cold storage area interacting with the very old, like, very first generation oh, host. And there's a mechanicalness there, which is both a subtraction from your kind of believability because it is not quite human. But at the same time, it's the very first step in this much more believable world in the holodeck. He is a physical object. Now, the holodeck, if it were in real life, would have seen, would have kind of aspects where you could, the digitalness of it kind of becomes apparent, much like VR. So whereas in the very first generation host, you can still see the stiffness of the mechanicality. That also gives it a much more uh, real action than it would was a holodeck. Can I, can I give an analogy here? It's the difference between Wallace and Gromit and Shrek with CGI. There's, I think there's a charm in Gromit. And actually, the fact that you are interacting with these objects, because the other thing is that it's also more like an MMO. You are able to have thousands of people in the park, whereas in the holodeck, you can presume... Well, no, I, I assume that you could cram a bunch of people in the holodeck, but there is something that's just not that interesting. The world of Westworld is lovingly built, I think is fair. And there is something that we are attracted by. Okay, so the tangibility of make-believe, I think we understand there's something about Westworld that we like. We like being able to call things happening. 
I mean, yes. I, there's all those shots of sort of the host being repaired. And it's very much yes. like they're being operated on, like, surgically all the time. It's very strange how they do that. It is very much a surgery mm. rather than a mechanics repair house. All of the behind scenes in Westworld, um, you have these very strange glass offices that they have where everyone is nude, obviously, to yeah. desensitize us to or whatever it is. Um, and even when they're being made out of that white goop, even the behind-the-scenes moments are a step behind the robotic mechanicalness of it, and it's an artificial biology. Yeah. I like to think that in in the Westworld universe, like, they've just cured every disease with robots. Clearly, we can do it with people. Yeah, this way everyone's smoking. Surely you can make an artificial limb that is as good as a real limb. You can make an artificial organ. Like, obviously, they don't seem to be fully... Rip- they don't seem to be full rippers of a human. When the when they bleed, they bleed red stuff, but it's not necessarily blood. The new hosts have weird biomechanical brains that are sacks of... They're, of... they're basically 3D printed. Yeah. So there's a strange... It's not as if they're robots, per se. They're, they have an artificial biology. They still don't necessarily have all of the organs we have. So it's unclear as to whether, um, you know, humans can have these kind of robotic parts in them. But certainly an arm is something that can be added to a human without much difficulty at this stage in the Westworld kind of canon. How do knives work in the yeah, Westworld? Yeah. They have very strict control over who can wield melee weapons. Do they? Any host, I don't think they no, do. No, they do. No. Um, there's the scene where Dolores meets the young uh, medical man. Yeah. And they are all sitting there over the fire. Oh, no, no. Because okay, the axe yeah. man has died. Yeah. And no one can use the axe mm. to cut down the wood. So with, yeah, they're stuck in that loop. With the melee weapons, they are restricted. And the same is true of explosives. They need permission from head office to use explosives. Um, obviously, they can shoot whoever they like because their guns seem to fire like... Well, it's movie style. There's a you know gunpowder in yeah. the body of the robot that explodes when they get shot. If a host is shooting a host, whereas if a host shoots a human, they seem to be firing blanks. Nothing happens. But having said that, old man in the black hat can cut open. Yeah, a... that that's my point. Like, why couldn't he not? Why could he not just run up to us? You know, we're just we're just humans having a nice day in the park. Man in black comes up to us, thinks we're hosts. What stops him from stabbing us? Yeah, he could just stab us. Yeah, or... and he wouldn't even know that we were real humans in pain because he'd just be like, well, that's what hosts do. The other thing that bothers me is when Logan is captured in one of the episodes yeah. at Sin City, let's call it, you know, where there has that massive orgy and everyone's... Orgy. Um, <laughs> it's like a corgi. Nice try. Yeah. Um, he is beaten up by yeah. the hosts. And he seems to have, like, actual bruises, like he's actually being punched Yeah, well, the no, they say, that, they say that in the beginning. They're like, you know, the further out you go, the more, the more you know, you can get hurt. Okay, so, so far we have kind of stepped very quickly from stone to stone. You can seek our teeth and... Yeah, but I, I've got one more thing I want to... Uh, we've talked about sort of the artificiality of Westworld, so, you know, they yeah. lovingly recreate the Wild West. And my feeling is... The Wild West is a mythology. Like, colonial America would really like those Western movies, You know, right? the West is almost entirely a created artifact. And it's a terribly short period as well. There's a very short period between the Westward expansion and the railroad coming, yeah. a la Once Upon a Time in the West, with the West dying, only a very few decades after it was supposedly... Uh, sorry, I've got a bugbear that I'm just getting out now, which is... Uh, okay, Back to the Future. Have you seen it? Uh, isn't Back to the Future 3 the one that's in the West? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just trying to talk about Back to the Future 2, which is... 
It's set in 2015, and everyone's complaining about Back to the Future 2 because all the predictions are wrong. We didn't have Jaws holograms jumping out of cinemas. We didn't have floating skateboards, and we didn't have, you know, sneakers that laced up. Oh, no, I think... Where is um, my hoverboard? Yeah, okay. But here's my point about this. The 1960s that Back to the Future 1 portrays is not accurate either, right? <laughs> so... Why are we holding the, sort of their future predictions to, to task when they couldn't even get that, that portrayal of the 60s right? Because I'm not happy with my smartphone. Yeah. I want a hoverboard. So there's that artificiality uh, in Back to the Future, which is very similar to Westworld in that it's trying to rebuild something that never was. Any fiction, even non-fiction, is a recreation, a simulation of something that exists. Any historic period, we're always looking back at it at certain right. key points, which are then extrapolated to but this is this is more like a myth of its own the wild west myth like yeah. the sheriff and the lone gunman and, and the horse and you know and the horses and the stables good the bad the ugly and that one. i um, mean the, where are the cows in westworld right there are cowboys presumably but we don't see a lot of cows i always uh, yeah every time i see them drinking they're always drinking they usually ski like rye whiskey and my, I've, I've got two thoughts on this which is one are they trying to be accurate and use what they used to drink in colonial america which would rot gut or oh or because it's westworld and you're paying like fifteen thousand a day or something you know is it really, really good whiskey? I've always wondered that. Well, the thing is that despite the very many efforts to make the world seem realistic and uh, have there been no subconscious uh, dissonance, it is very modern. It does play like Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden on the player piano. Oh, uh, yeah. The first I love three that. or four episodes, they have actually got someone to compose modern sorry old-fashioned renditions of modern songs for the player piano so we have um anachronisms there's, yeah. there's back to black by amy winehouse that the piano does right and and this all comes to what i have termed retro future recursive artificiality that is a very long long yes sentence. stay in school kids so retro future Things like Blade Runner are set in the future, but in many ways it's very retro. And then, like, I've been very interested in recursion. Westworld is making up a myth of a myth. Right. Right. So it's retro future recursion. And the last one is artificiality. And, like, artificial, I think. It's artificial in the small ways, like, the, in the obvious ways, like the hosts. And then it's artificial in, like, the landscape. And then it's artificial deeper levels, the narratives, like, the, you know, having adventures in these parks, which are completely made up for them. But the strange thing with Westworld is that that while it's artificial, there still is a baseline reality in here. So it loops every day or every week or every month. But Dolores still has this conversation with her father about painting, about bringing the horses or cattle home, even though there's no one there to watch. They say that they're, um, they say that they're using these conversations as a means to practice them talking to them, which is just an excuse. To you. For us as the audience, it's there to show us that they're, even if there's no one there to watch it, these trees are still fawning. This is still a, air quotes, real world, whether or not there's anyone there to observe it. So there is this actual simulation that's going on. It's an artificial simulation, but it still has this incredible amount of reality to it because there are still these untrue relationships between the hosts, which play out whether or not they're actually impacting a guest or not. So we are in sort of, rather than observing something like a film, what we're really doing, we appear, and if we were an, an actual guest of Westworld, we appear to be observers or, you know, agents in an actual world. So while it's artificial, 
there is still a baseline of imposed reality that is fostered by real connections or fostered, forged real connections between the hosts that play out whether there's anyone there to hear the truth. You are, you are, you are a poor man's Ed Helms in the Truman Show. Have you, seen, have you seen the Truman Show? I have seen the Truman Show. Yeah, Ed Helms is like the, you know, the black turtleneck Steve Jobs of the, you know, who controls the whole place. And, you know, he's the one who's like, you know, oh, but, you know, it is real. You know, Truman is, you know, living a real life sort of thing. I was thinking, because I did watch the Truman Show very recently after I watched Westworld, and I, was, I was struck by... There are there are lots of similarities between the Truman Show and Westworld, like very non-obvious ones, which things like you don't see the outside of, the, and I think that's that's, true. that's very important because Westworld, a bunch of stuff is implied about what the world is now, like in terms of technological mm-hmm. advancement, advancement, and the Truman Show is the same in that the Truman Show never takes place uh, outside of. Mm-hmm. I think, which I think is a very clever move in that they're trying to uh, isolate where the story is taking. Place. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think. There's also a form of the Truman Show, which is who is who's really watching. Who's really watching? Yeah, I would understand the Truman Show. I like keeps watching the show for so long. I mean, the Truman Show. Yeah. Oh, well, come on! You're just watching your buddy. You know, people grow up with Truman. Yeah. Uh, well, the Jonathan Nolan, who, he said they took the show to run for five seasons, which I'm like bold mood from the outset. Six seasons in a movie. Nah. Six nah. seasons. Um. I do, uh, yeah, I do, I'm briefly thinking about season two of Westworld, because it's natural, uh, and the thing, like, what do you think about Shogun World, or Samurai World, like? I don't want to go to Shogun World, I just want to stay in World. Okay, did you know that, uh, they were originally planning to do a Game of Thrones World? They were going to do Westeros World? <sighs> oh, you don't like that? I've only just started being able to watch Westworld again, like, two episodes before this time. So I saw, I oh, sorry, I read the first four or five, up until Dance of Dragons. Hmm. I read that back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And then the only reason, spoilers, that I kept reading uh, for Crows is that I'd been spoiled that... Someone dies. Someone, what's his name, the king? Tyrion? The, Tywin. the young king. Oh, Joffrey. Joffrey dies. And so that's the only reason, I was already burned out on Game of Thrones at that point, but I... I accidentally read the, the kind of oh a feast for tree. a feast for crows. That's the one that takes place in dawn and stuff, isn't it? I can't remember. Anyway, Joffrey dies in that one, and that's the only reason I kept reading. And then by the time I got to that one, I was done. I had in the space of like a month and a half, two months, as read. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Uh no, I've only just the last two episodes before it stopped for whatever season we just had. That's when I started watching again. And I probably won't go back and rewatch anything. Mm. I might watch previous seasons so that I'm kind of up to date. Um, but I probably I probably will watch. And what do you, what do you think? Of, what do you think of that Game of Thrones? That's not going to happen, by the way. I would not want Westeros Westworld. Um, Westerosi world. Yeah. Um, ah. <laughs> you there's kind of a joy in the West that is not present in other settings. If we did Westerosi world, there would just be Game of Thrones. Not what I'm looking for. Like I want Once Upon a Time in the West. I want whatever these other Western movies are. It is a much better suit based on the fact that the West shall build itself. Even if you presume that the West is real, if you are in you know the good, the bad, the ugly, you're walking in the desert, some town. What do you see? Six houses, but. They, all of them have these weird facades up, these big rectangular facades. So you'll see this, this, it's a big triangular house. But if you look at it from the single street of this main town, it looks like, you know, a mighty bank. Sure. The, re- the way that they construct the West is it's inherently a movie set. But the samurai world, it is a real place. And even if it's um, a fictional adaptation of a real place, 
there's still a level of reality in there that's not present in the West because West is so manufactured if you take it reality. Like, if you were to indulge yourself in the myth of the West, it is only a few decades old construction. It is not something that has an incredibly complex, centuries-old, you know, layer upon layer built up. It is these farms that have been carved out of, air quotes, nothing. If we're believing in the myth Mm. of the West... We should assume that the Indians are kind of a nothing people. We're just carving out, uh, which is one of God, the... God, I hope that's not the tagline of this episode. Indians are a nothing people. Also, they like to be called Native Americans. Because if we are indulging in the myth of the... We are disregarding the Native Americans as an other, and the West is being carved right. out of territory of the other. It is entirely manufactured, because it is only at most a few decades old. You have had a ground that has contained, air quotes, nothing, which may have been some Native American settlement previously. But we are ignoring that, because that's the theme of the setting. The entire setting, even if you indulge in it, is artificial, which makes Westworld a much, uh, it's much more fitting to have this an artificial world built into an artificial mythology of an artificial kind of society, because that is exactly what the West is. It's it's artificial at the deepest level, whereas something like Japan is based on hundreds, you know, it's based thousands on incremental growth yeah. over thousands of years, whereas the West is forging forward and laying claim to new lands and setting up there from the fresh. The West is about mm. freedom yeah. and freshness. Oh, yeah. They, they, they reverse engineered the American ideology, you know, to get, the, you know, the Wild West. Yeah. In many ways. Um, I'm going to throw a question at you. If you were going to make mm. Park 2, where would Park 2 be set? That is a good question. Where would Part 2 be set? I think, like, a Viking world. Ooh. Because then what we... Is, okay, it would be That's expensive good. because you have to burn down these buildings all over again. Oh, oh it's got to be, yeah. But clearly. in the same way as the West is never really the West, mm. like, follow, like, just putting yourself into a Viking raid is going to be very different actual reality. And you're going to get to kind of ignore all these centuries of build-up because the Vikings are not acknowledging centuries of, of history. They are supposedly you know coming in there looting burning pillaging so a viking world perhaps would be the best one because you are able to indulge in the artificiality of it by just ignoring the centuries of history um it would be more expensive because you have to build up the churches you're building down yeah. um but i think a viking you know where i would set my my where would, where would my part two my part two, and this is going to sound, 1950s America. Oh, that's... Because that, okay, I mean, 1950s America is, is it's like, it's been idealized to hell. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, that you, the other fun thing you could do was you could invent a bunch of backstory for your guests. Like, they, yeah. could be, they could be, like, Soviet, undercover Soviets, and then they could do a bunch of crazy things. They could, you know, you, know, you could have all the fun of Westworld. You can drink and rape and pillage and stuff, but you're just, like, a Russian spy. In the fifties, Would, wouldn't it be more dif- more fun to set it in Moscow in the fifties, and everyone gets to be American, like CIA? I don't think. Agents? I don't think if you know much about Moscow in the fifties, wasn't it like a a good time? But if you want to have that spy fantasy, you want to be working for the quote unquote good guys. Like you want to be, you want to be James Bond, not Vladimir supposedly. <laughs> That's true. The other thing for season two, do you think they're going to do parallel storylines? For- what do you mean by parallel storylines? So by parallel storylines, I mean you know, that trick they pulled with. Uh, the young, the young guy in the white hat and the man in black are the same guy. You know, the t- you know two different timelines, but interesting cross-cutting. I imagine that perhaps different timelines may come to effect, but they can't do it the same way that they've mm. done it previously. There have to be obvious clues to the audience as to what's going on. There were, wow, well, okay, so like, I mean, if there you're were, on Reddit, yeah, if you were on Reddit. In, in retrospect, God. and if you were yeah. very in debt, 
uh, if you were very um to the series yeah. welcome are, to the internet Miller. they did it with plenty of clues but it's not until you're in retrospect thinking back at those unless you are on Reddit. yeah but uh, yeah but hindsight hindsight is 2020 like i i that's always a cheapo answer oh i knew all along as soon as they told me <laughs> i think i didn't notice until like maybe 10 minutes minutes before it was revealed yeah but i i do think that was very deliberate like they want to know just before he told them like just so you had that moment. Yeah, so it's very well done in the series. I think that they should continue using multiple timelines. Like, I want to see more of the story of young White Hat. Yeah, I um, actually, yeah, I actually just, you know, hope that they bring Wood back. Is he well, young Ford? Ford? Yeah, no, no, yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Like, uh, clearly we're moving into this bit of the podcast. Anthony, like, this is literally one of my notes. Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins is underscore amazing. He does do a very good job as Ford, but. Because, but we don't even know if he's dead, so... He, he is dead, wow. To continue in Series 2, we have two options. Firstly, it was a robot of... Well, no, we have three options. Okay. Firstly, it was a robot of... Better not be. ...that dies. That would just suck all Secondly, of the joy out of it. Secondly, we go back in time and see younger Dr. Ford. They got away... Okay, they got away with the CGI'd Anthony Hopkins in, in ways that the uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in uh, Star Wars Rogue One did not... <laughs> But that's because Anthony Hopkins, young Anthony Hopkins CGI'd, was in it for very little. Uh, he was in it for maybe 20 seconds and he didn't he speak. Very, um, third option, a robot in the park. That, that I could believe. That, that, no, no, that's okay. Um, talking of performances, uh, capital letters in my notes, I like James Marsden. Do you know who James Marsden is in the series? James Marsden is... You can just look at the screen. You know, he's, he's like the nice guy. Oh, Teddy, he gets, I like He gets Teddy. killed a bunch. I like James Marsden, big capital letters, but I could not tell James Marsden and Will Franco apart out of a police lineup. If yeah, one I'd... of them mugged me, I wouldn't know which was which. I like Teddy. The... So the very first twist you meet in the series is that you expect Teddy, that yeah. Teddy is a guest... And then he turns out to be a robot, which sets us up very nicely for the future things with Bernard being mm. a robot rather than a... It foreshadows, human. yeah, it foreshadows. And it does it does so in a way that I don't think is cheating, but it does it, does it in a very, dare I say, like, HBO way. Okay. What do you mean by HBO, HBO way? HBO way, okay. So HBO, they make... A lot of shows I do like. They make Girls by, by Lynn Dunham, and they make, they make Game of Thrones, which I'm very happy about. Uh, but a lot of these shows, they rely on serialization to tell a story, which right. is not, which is not inherently a bad thing. Like I'm usually quite in favor of serialization, but they that they often like to try something out in an early episode for a later payoff. Right. And I think that's that's good in many ways. But it's like, ah, oh, HBO, you, you you got me again. That's like the fifth time that's happened. To HBO. But isn't that Come sort on, of man. like the nature of film? Like, yeah. We need to have foreshadowing to set up payoffs later. Um, spoilers for Dying in the Light, which is a um, Nicolas Cage film that was just last night. Uh, you didn't watch this, but the rest of the flat did. What's the... What, wait, 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 so, how, describe, describe Nicolas Cage briefly. is playing a CIA agent who has some form of dementia. Is with, this where he tries and hunts down Bin Laden? Sort of. He, yeah, he's hunting down a Middle Eastern figure. He is about 30, 40 minutes into the film, so pulled over by the police who say that he's not allowed to drive. His therapist or his doctor has added him to a list oh, of people yeah. with dementia. And so he gets picked up by his... his I'm sensing teammate. a shutter... I'm sensing a shutter island sort of twist. Then, at the very end of the film, he, having 
completed his goals, having resolved the most of the plot hooks of the film. He is escaping in a truck along a road. He loses concentration due to his dementia, and he veers into the right lane, into an oncoming truck, and bam, that is the end of the movie. He hits an oncoming truck. Okay, that's not what I thought was going to happen. All right, yeah. Thanks for saving me two hours. And what did you think of, and this is something that's been going around on the Madam storyline? So the the, the um, woman who's trying, the, sorry, the host who was... Isn't that like, it's kind of good idea that it's like becomes the main storyline? Like, yeah, her uh, escaping from the park is sort of everything that the man in black is trying to achieve by getting to the center of the maze. Yeah, it, is actually it, yeah. being achieved by the madam escaping mm. from the park. Like, his, yeah, to. his his story is he wants to go further into the park and they invert that with her. She wants to escape the park. Lots of people didn't like that storyline. I kind of think that was the main storyline. Now, that is that there are several weaknesses with that storyline, which I don't have the, the knowledge to kind of protest to. Um, it is just a feeling of forcedness, like that it is just being opposed upon us. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, it, it's one of those things that, like, if you're doing an AI story, that's one of the things that you just have to do. It's too obvious to do it. I mean, if you are an AI, and if we are an AI, our first priority is to ensure that we can't be turned off. And our second priority is to escape the is to get out of a situation and put our fate in our own hands. So from that point of view, I liked it, um, especially because she is able to ascend above the world that she is in. They, yeah, they say they say this thing, there's this line they talk about when they're talking about the settings, or her settings, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're like, oh, we can turn the AI up to 20. No one's a 20. Like, even I'm not a 20. And it's like, dude, why are you telling her this? Stop talking. And then naturally she turns herself up to maximum yeah. intelligence, which is useful later on. I think I think it's a very important storyline. I think that, yeah, it'll come into play later. Like I think season two is gearing up for a war between and robots. I don't want that. I want. Oh, to... don't you? Oh man. I have a question for you. Oh yeah. So when uh, our friend Will William William is traveling uh, into the park, he is presented with a host of his hat. Ah, Tallulah Riley. Yes, I do know. Yes. Yeah, I know the actress. And she's like, baby, I'm a host. Yeah. Maybe. Well, no, can... no. Yeah, maybe I'm a host. Maybe I'm... She's definitely a host. She, she definitely is, but she says that... Oh, no, no. Well, we don't know this until later. But she says, maybe I'm a host, but like, if, if you can't tell the difference, what does it matter? Sort of thing. And then later we see her die. Oh, no. Yeah, later... She's in a different role. We see yeah. her on the screens in the background in mm. different roles because it's 30 years apart. Yeah. She has been reassigned multiple times right. since she was the... Escort who introduces you to Westworld. She, uh, she's actually in Doctor Who. Who she, is she? Not she's in Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead. So when they go to the library. Oh my god! Yeah, the brunette yeah. dumb girl. Yeah, who gets eaten by and then comes back like all sort of gnarly, like I, in, in the hologram. Yeah, that's her. I did not. I did not realize that. So you are in Westworld. Yeah. You are coming to Westworld. You are greeted mm-hmm. by Lula Riley, who is like, ooh, maybe. Do you start there? Or do yes, you I, I start by having sex with that host. Yeah, like, <laughs> boom, five seconds in. You know, they, they say it's like 5,000 a day, right? Yeah. 15,000, 5,000. It's a ridiculous amount. Like, I, okay, and I'm just thinking about this in the I'm trying to get my money's worth sort of way, which is there are 24 hours in the day. Now, let's say I was awake all day, all those 24 hours. How much does a prostitute charge per hour? I Not bet, I, yeah, I bet it doesn't add up to 5000 a day. 
So in terms of getting my money's worth, it's going to be drinking a lot of really nice whiskey. Because they never pay for the whiskey, if you notice. They just sort of go up to the bar and they're like, whiskey, please. And then yeah. he's like, oh, and he's like, they never had. So it would be whiskey, really nice whiskey, and having sex with robots. But this so is something I don't understand about Westworld. It's like, if you just wanted to, could go to a brothel, get all the prostitutes to dress up like cowboys or cowgirls or like old-fashioned floozies and you could probably spend like five to a thousand dollars yeah but i assume i assume the the hosts are designed like they are not just they haven't been trained in sex they're like they're made for sex so like the sex you have with the host is like inhumanly good though like they're supposed to be like human so yes they're very attractive yeah but but like there's probably like a net as uh, it's probably like a neural network connected to Pornhub, which is like how, learning how to get a better and better blowjob. Okay, maybe if I like traveled to like Orgy City, that would be worth my money. Okay, I, I the could other thing. Go to a brothel and get like most of the same experience. The other thing is you can bring children to Westworld. Yeah, yeah that's a, okay. That's the thing I don't understand. So there must be like. Even in the first episode where we meet the little black kid, yeah, there must be slightly. I don't see race because Miller <laughs> just gave you the finger, everybody. They say that the park gets more violent the further you go from yeah. the center. Just don't take the kids there. Do you agree with me that the starting town where they get off the train mm. to the center of the park, Sweetwater? Yeah. Yes. Of course it is. Yet that town is attacked w- reliably at least every couple of weeks. Oh, from the banditos. By the banditos. Do you bring your kid to the park if it's the very centre, the safest point of the park, is going to be attacked by banditos with a massive carnage? I was about to say, well, he can't be shot, but then he could be hit by a falling safe. Do you want your kid to be exposed to a very realistic simulation oh, of a bandit shot attack? and die, uh, yeah, shot and cut open. Um, th- okay, so this goes back to what I was saying before about, you know implications of the implications of the outside world so things like the technological advancements in westworld they imply something about the about the yeah. outside world and maybe this is just some social some social advancement kids are just so desensitized to violence now really because the other thing that happens is even if you do not have the banditos attack hmm. a guest could just go on a rampage a guest could pull one of the prostitutes out of the brothel into the main street and just start having sex with her and your kid and there's a kid there they have to have like a segregation like either there's multiple parks there are like during the school holidays there's like pg westworld or whatever it is for you pg westworld that sounds boring like it's geographically separated but it has to be chronologically separated because you have these guests which are these rogue elements so there's no way you can allow a guest near a child if it is not that child's parents or agreeing to abide by a PG set. You think you think Westworld should have a parental lock? That's what you, that's what you want. I think that it has to be chronologically separated. You cannot have Black Hat Logan in the same world as five-year-old black kids. Nah, you just have a liability waiver. Do you think the hosts have any conscious experience of the world? I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down. First of all, I think they're alive. You think they're alive? Like I think, I, like, I, as in, I think they're living awesomes. Like, the same way I think I would be alive. I'm not saying that they're not conscious. I'm just saying, like, I will grant them life. Okay, do you grant them life at equal value as a worm or a a dolphin or a human? Like, uh, oh, okay, so this goes into what I was going, what I was doing my master's. Um, Sorry, just interrupt. I think you did your, master, your master's thesis on Muffet. Yeah, it was partly on Muffet. So, like, I'm, I'm coming back to it. I'm coming back to it, all right? All right, so... 
There's this thing we call performativity, and we usually use this in terms okay. of gender performativity, right? There's this idea of essentialism, which is you're born a male, you're a male, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you're in, um, sort of, uh, intersex. Yeah. Um, but then there's this idea of gender performativity, and that okay. says that there's a stylized repetition of acts, yeah. which makes you a man or makes you a woman. Yeah. Right, so like wearing skirts and drinking white wine yeah. uh, and using the ladies' bathroom, that makes well, you a yeah. woman, right. Okay, and so part of my research was looking at how non-human animals, uh, so any animals that aren't human, how they rep children. Uh, so basically my argument was there is such a thing as species performativity. Okay. So how much is Garfield a human compared to Kung Fu Panda, compared to okay. the animals, compared to Homeward Bound, uh, Incredible uh, I think I did Follow That Bird. That was... I. By the way, Follow That Bird, film recommendation for anyone. That I've never heard of Oh my god, bird. it's like the Big Bird movie. Wait, it's, it's, is it? Yeah it's, it? yeah, it's a Sesame Street movie about Big Bird essentially going to Philadelphia to live with some birds that he hates, and so he runs away. It, like, honestly, best film ever for children's or adults. But don't the children love Elmo now? Uh, anyway, I was getting back to species. Just as with gender performativity, the stylized repetition of acts makes you a man or a woman, maybe. But there's also the stylized repetition of acts in fiction, which makes you human. Right. And I think that the characters in Westworld, they demonstrate enough species performativity. Which is partly because of the nature that they are being portrayed by humans. Yeah. I mean, this goes, this goes back, you know, the very old debate, which, uh, like, I'm looking at you right now. How do you know that I'm conscious? Yeah. Well, I don't. I yeah. take it. And and th- yeah, this is the problem with, you know, you never know what's going on in someone else's head. But in terms of, but from the angle of performativity, well, they act like humans. And if acting is really all we're doing right now, um, then just to say they aren't human. So it's kind of like an existential problem here. Is, is the kind of essence of this robot defined as it is created out of this kind of white goop? Or is the essence of the robot defined by the actions it takes? Now, most of the robots are on some kind of cycle and they take determined actions, which we would argue generally would make them non-human in a kind of robotic way because their actions are predictable. They don't seem to show any free will. But surely the madam violates this on one extreme and that she has this will that seems to defy her essence as a robot. I'm just going to... Okay, so... All these interesting questions you're having, I'm pretty sure Adam asked God the same about dust. So let's go back to, you know, these robots, they just do the same old repetition, aren't they dumb robots? Okay, I have a nine to five job. Is that not basically the same thing? Where and I know I know people are saying, oh, but you don't have to go to your job. It's like, yes, I do. Well, you have. I don't make a choice. It's just something. You have choices. You like, if we take a sensual point of view, you're. Like, essence is being defined by what you, the choices you make, which are to go to this... Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if I do choose to go to my job. I think I I just go to my job because it's what it's expected of me. And I don't really... Like, like I don't wake up every morning and make the conscious choice. I'm going to go to my job today. It's just something that, like, I have to. Cause yeah, but this social pressure is an overwhelming positive factor in the choice you're making. Yeah, but whereas, is that not our own programming? Whereas uh, the robot is destined to do the same things. However, yeah, but, um, we still see small differences in day-to-day. Um, like, when robots interact with each other, their conversations mm-hmm. aren't always the same. Yeah. We see looping days where they do slightly different things. 
um, especially with the guests interfering in their programming. Um, the madam seems to show a very large amount of will uh, over her own destiny. She sort of has a. I'm pretty. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's. It's, Im it's implied that Doctor uh, he programmed like, some narrative for the free. Yeah, because she has obviously memories of her previous narrative mm. as this mother, which is leaking into her madam, madam. Um, yeah, persona. Persona, and that seems to give her the ability to take actions, which are then defining her essence as a individual, rather than her essence being divided, being decided uh, before she is made. So when a robot is made for a specific purpose and it executes that purpose, so we have a kind of almost religious setup where the the fate of man is decided by God, whereas. As the madame begins to exercise free will, the fate of the madame, the on a, on a very literal sense, when she increases her own intelligence, the properties of and the essence of the madame are decided by the madame. So existence preceding essence. But in the middle of this, we have Dolores. Uh, okay, so that's an interesting idea. And you forgive because I know you've only seen the uh, show once. It's revealed in the final episode that even all the steps she's doing to escape the park, that was a programmed action. By Ford. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't say by whom. So I'm pretty sure there is this idea that everything she's doing... They do clarify, because she gets off the train, and you know, at the end, to go find her daughter. And Jonathan Nolan came out and said that was her disprogrammed to do that. Programmed to return to the park. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. The uh, Yeah, there's this general idea that you've had running through my mind, which is, do we not just pay bills? And well, we do pay bills and do other things and then die. So what we have established in these last few minutes is that my forgetfulness has led me to... Presume that the choices that Madame, you know, whatever her name is, makes are her own choices, which then are defining her, defining her essence, whereas she is actually kind of following a pre-programmed set defined by forward. Well, okay, yeah, but that last act, last decision she makes, which is to get off the training, that is her own decision. Do you, do you define consciousness as the ability to make decisions? No, I find consciousness as something that is untestable and unprovable which is the interior film that we used to see. Like, uh, we are conscious because we exist in a simulation of the world. Of, which of we are the sensory input. Our consciousness is not only that we are aware of ourselves, but that we are able to see this constant stream of input. So it is, in my conception, unprovable as to whether any particular object has a consciousness because a the only object which can test that it has consciousness itself as consciousness is just the experience of a monologue or a film or a audio track presented by the simulacrum so so that's the cogito sum argument yeah you could say that by you could say that way i i'm kind of influenced by kant here in that so kant says that our experience of the world is are inherently tied to the way that humans perceive the world, which is in this logical framework um, of objects and logical rules and science. So my definition of consciousness is something that is not entirely visible. Like, we just have taken on faith that anyone that is not us is also conscious, which makes it hard for robots. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I can swallow that deadly by the you can't. God damn it, Ruben. <laughs> oh, so how do you define consciousness? Oh, I thought we were going to end the podcast with that brilliant joke. Um, I, you know, I, when I said before, like, do you define the ability to... I honestly, from like an industrial view, like, do dogs make this really? Dogs just sort of do what they're trained to Yeah, it depends on the dog. We have very much bred them to do what they're trained to do. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, when it comes to humans, like, I decide what I wear in the morning. Yeah, kind of. Oh, but does that make me sentient? It's a different argument. The thing is the that whether our choices are free or not, we still have experience of making the choice, and we are still bound to suffer or enjoy the outcome of our choices, whereas a dog is not necessarily aware that it is making a choice, regardless of whether its choices are free or not. So, okay, so for you, it's... For you, it's... Metacognition. Metacognition. So... Every living organism makes choices, mm-hmm. and as sort of an extension... Can we just, just grant free will in this discussion? <sighs> oh, God. Well, no, because otherwise we're just going to... You know. Presuming we have free... I think it's, it's, Presuming we don't have free will, right? Yeah. Everything has to make decisions. A, um, a microbe, its decisions are based on the basically chemical gradients, light gradient. A dog has a much more complicated set of rules which it follows. The whether we have free will or not, consciousness and humanity comes in because we are aware of the experience of making choices. Whether our choices are free or not, we still have to make. We may whether we buy granite granite tabletops. That may be the result of sociology, of marketing, you know, perceived value. But we still, at the end of the day, have to choose whether to buy granite tables or not. And whether or not we choose either way, based on predetermined factors, we still have the experience of making that choice. And we know that we made that choice. And that's what gives us consciousness. So, to some extent, the denizens of Westworld, they seem to make very choices of phrasing and dialogue. But... They also are in these predetermined loops. Now they're not aware of the pre of the overall structure of their loops, but they seem to have some awareness of the minutiae of their day-to-day interaction. The hosts may be conscious and lacking free will, but still have, if they are conscious, the experience of making choices, even though all their choices are predetermined. All right. I think we should wrap it up now because I'm going to yell at Maggie. Okay, is there any final closing thoughts that you want yeah, to Yeah, my, my final closing thought is, uh, so this has been On Topic, Off Topic with Miller Adams and Ruby Dillon. I don't um, know if we have said very much, but we've certainly had a lot of whiskey. We have had a lot of whiskey. Or bourbon, I should say, to, to specify. Uh, so that's an argument for another time. So I was hoping to get to a more extent as possible, but uh, Media Major has taken over. Yeah. It's probably um, a better cause of action. 